As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey guys, it's Natalie. Um, I'm coming to you like like all by myself. Um, and I can't like communicate how weird that is because usually I'm with Charlie. Um, and basically he has sickness. He has the sickness. He's sick with influenza type A, which is like intense. Seriously, my uncle was recently telling me that like the flu is like it like when he got it, he was really upset. So I can only imagine how Charlie's feeling. Um, so basically I miss him and I wish him well and a speedy recovery. And it seems like he is doing better, but just to be safe, we're doing a a special episode of alone together though. I believe we called it stronger apart or stronger together, but is, was that Biden's thing forward together? We called it, we called it change. Wait, what was Obama's thing? Hope. We called it, mm, I don't know. Anyways, so this, and this type of segment, we each sent each other our ideas. And what we're going to do is guess what, based on the title of each other's ideas, what we think they're trying to say, and then go through our own ideas. And also I want to just say something separately that I'm sitting like at a table, my computer's right in front of me, and I'm having like a little bit of trouble reading the words on the screen. Like they're not like so fuzzy, but like I am like kind of squinting a little bit and like putting my mind to it, you know. Let me move in a little bit closer. Like I'm not totally scooted in. Yeah, like there's definitely like a bit of like a fuzziness happening, which so interesting and I come from a family of glasses wearers so it's starting to feel like my time is now and I do wear them well I'm prescribed to wear them to drive but I don't oh gosh I'm like picturing someone like finding this audio after I get into a crash no 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 that's okay uh I might just take that out no I won't take it out okay so wow I'm gonna start by going through Charlie's ideas first And I want to call myself in because I made like a big mug of soup before sitting down here, which like, now how the hell was I going to do that? Like, I can't even eat it while someone else is talking. Let me just have one bite. My God, really hot. Um, okay. That was so stupid of me. I'll have to re-microwave it. Whatever. So a lot of cooking is about timing. When stuff is supposed to come out of the oven. Oh, I just realized I haven't had a coffee yet. (laughs) Shit. Uh, No, it's fine. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Charlie. And, um, you know, this episode of our podcast is a little bit different because Natalie and I are not together. We're recording separately. And the reason for that is that we had huge creative differences. Um, Basically... Basically, I wanted to turn Exploration Live into sort of a a celebrity news and gossip podcast, and Natalie wanted to make it so that each episode we watch a movie and we review it and, like, talk about it. Um, And we just couldn't come to an agreement, and so as a result of that, we decided we we, we, neither of us were willing to fully leave or end the podcast, so we're just going to do two separate podcasts. Um, So my kind of half of it will be like celebrity news and gossip and she is she's watching a movie and talking about it um i'm totally by the way i'm totally kidding what is happening is i have the flu so it was not safe to record together and instead of recording on zoom which is just you know what i mean it's like ugh. so 
we're doing another our, this is our second installment of stronger apart which is our series where we, we we do the same thing where we each come up with some ideas and share them with each other but this time instead of discussing them I, we each talk about our own and then kind of guess what the other person is going to make their what the other person's ideas are going to be or what they're going to be about because um, we don't we won't know and it's funny because it turns the whole like project of the podcast into it like gamifies it a little bit more where it's like ooh like you know we I think like obviously the names of our ideas are kind of important usually but they're not they're they're not this important like right now it's like this is kind of all we have to go on and I'm reading Natalie's ideas and I'll be honest like I really don't know what some of her ideas are about and I'm gonna guess and I don't know if I'll be right or wrong there's something really exciting about that and and you know one of the kind of theses or things we really learned last time is that we actually are often on the same page which is encouraging and then when we're not like that miscommunication can actually be pretty generative so we'll see if that happens tonight like you know we, we give you give some uh, someone a prompt and they can kind of work backwards from that or like a title and they're like oh maybe the title would be this so we'll see maybe we'll see if it works like that today let's get started i'm gonna start with charlie's first this is charlie's first idea when someone talks about their dad i mean this one i totally get and i actually think we've talked about this on the podcast before that when some people talk about their dad it's like they're referring to this kind of like they want you to think that their dad is some like crazy silly person like they're like i mean and look at my look at the picture i think charlie said this on the podcast once it was so funny it's like look at the picture of my dad that my mom sent and it's like him wearing like a silly hat and it's like okay like you know that's just a person and like to you he's like hilarious but it's like I'd have to like really, 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 really be sexually interested in you for me to like think that the way your dad is being is like so funny. Um, unless um, he really is funny. <laughs> I'm thinking of like mm, Sasha Seinfeld and her dad. <laughs> She's like, my dad's being so funny. I'm like, shut up. Um but yeah, basically just like, I think that's the idea that like people are very tickled by their dads sometimes. And for me, sometimes it's like, it's girls who are doing that and, you know, not to be heteronormative, but like there is like a very sexual element to the dynamic, um, which is interesting. Like, it's like, you know, you can be like super gay, but like the the way that your like parent relationships like hmm like hmm like it's like if you're gay but like you post a picture with like a sibling of the opposite sex it's still like ugh what's going on here I mean this might be really upsetting what I'm saying but I only have sisters so uh, to me when there's a picture of a sister and a brother I'm like this is so inappropriate like the fact that you guys are like hugging, I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm gay, you know what I mean? So it's like, why can't I imagine a relationship like that? That's platonic. It's like, I, I don't know. I can't. And I'm bi and I'm trying to really get the word out about that. Um, but you guys get what I'm saying. All right. I wonder if that's what Charlie meant or did he mean like when someone talks about their dad, like maybe he means like in an intense way, like, you know, people's dads like loom really large from them. And when people mention their dad, it's like, whoa, you know, you got to like make some space in the combo for like whatever the hell is going on there. Uh, I don't know. No, I feel like it's the first one. I feel like it's people like wanting you to get a kick out of their dad when you're kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Except for some people, I, you know, because there's always exceptions, but you know, nine times out of 10, like these girls think they have like this fucking crazy dad. And actually it's like, it's crazy for you. And that's great. All right. Uh, is there anything else there? So their dad. All right. I, I think I'm right about that. I think that's what Charlie's talking about that. And if not, I'm glad we got to explore it together. 
I'm going to start with my first idea. Okay. This is when someone talks about their dad. And this is the thing of like, something about the way that someone talks about their dad is just so vulnerable and revealing. And it's not always true with their mom, but kind of like, and this is especially true if like someone really likes their dad. Like hearing someone talk about how they like their dad is like so vulnerable, it's almost cringy. You know what I mean? Like someone talk, and, and you just can't help but like, it immediately like infantilizes you. And, and it turns you into this, at least for me, it turns, like, I get this image or model in my head of a kid being like, being like, yeah, my dad's really strong. You know, like that's how it feels to hear someone talk about their dad. When someone's like, my dad's actually like really good at cooking. Like, my dad actually does, he does like a lot of housework. Or like, he's so funny, like, He's so, like, quiet, but then he'll say, like, something really, like, funny. Like, after not talking for 30 minutes, that shows you that he's, like, listening the whole time. It's just, like, we have so much... It's, like, maybe it's a thing of, like, oh, is everybody in love with their dad? Like, maybe it gets into that territory a little bit. But it, it, it is just, like, a, a very deeply personally revealing moment to hear someone talk about their dad. So that's my idea, when someone talks about their dad. You know... I really do when we do these episodes I really miss Natalie because I'm like I wonder what <laughs> I wonder what she would say about that and you're gonna hear me say that a lot um, I also feel so crazy talking alone because it's like when do I get a break you know like when usually I get a break when Natalie's talking and I can sort of you know go on my phone or check out or like you know leave the room or kind of take a quick little rest but like now it's like it's really on me <laughs> All right, this next one is, everyone's in Art Basel to you. Okay, I mean, this just couldn't be more true. <laughs> See, Charlie is amazing. Like, he's right. Everyone's in Art Basel. And by the way, Basel? Am I saying that right? Obviously, I want to say Basel, but I'm correcting myself back. But I think that if you're saying Art Basel wrong, it's like, that's good. You know, that's... That makes you look good. So I kind of hope I'm saying it wrong. I don't want to be someone who like knows exactly how to say Art Basel, you know, whatever. So it's a gif or jif. It's like, well, if you're right, you're probably a loser, you know, like you're probably like a loser. Okay. So yeah, this is like, I mean, imagine someone saying to you, everyone's in Art Basel. It's like, uh, (laughs) sounds like your life, honey. (laughs) it's so funny people like trying to take the things that are happening in their immediate like social world and like blow it out like it's like a cultural phenomenon (laughs) you know people are really down right now it's like um (laughs) what the fuck are you talking about or like yeah like every you know and people always do this like everyone's breaking up everyone's breaking up (laughs) it's like yeah i mean you're talking about like at max like three people And at any given moment, like 400,000 million people are breaking up and getting together. I wonder if in any second more people are getting together or break than breaking up or, or if it has to be even, why would it have to be even? I guess it's like, there's probably more get togethers than breakups because sometimes there's get togethers and there's never a breakup from that get together. There's just death. Okay. Um, I've never been to Art Basel and to me, I think that's okay. And I know a little bit about what goes down there. Like in terms of art, it's a very important space. And in terms of, um, it's in Miami, which I really respect. I think it's in Miami unless it's like the one in Miami is like based on the one in like France or whatever the fuck. Um, but no major shout out. And I do think like art is like so important and I have some posters in my room that I consider to be art and I have this one poster it's called taste the it's called taste the rainbow no that's skittles it's called like eat the rainbow well I gave it that name but it says eat the rainbow on it and it's like a rainbow pictures of all these vegetables and fruits and I love it and every time I kind of get someone in my life to give me honest feedback about it they're like you know I don't like it they'll really tell me, you know, even the people who wouldn't really say something like that are like, uh, 
yeah, I don't quite like it. And to me, it's so interesting because it's like I don't have a very strong aesthetic sense. I'm usually very swayed and like appreciate the the help. But when I hear feed, negative feedback about that Eat the Rainbow poster, I'm like, huh. It's It doesn't destabilize me because I feel so grounded in my love for it and my love for the way it looks that I just it actually gives me like a warm feeling of like, Oh wow, people are all so different. You know, it kind of like lifts my heart a little bit. I'm like, gosh, that's so sweet. Like we're all just walking around with these little opinions, you know, (laughs) I love my little poster. You don't like it. That's hilarious. You know, thank God it's my poster and it's not yours. And it sounds like I'm saying that with like an edge. Like I had to like teach myself to feel that, but with the poster, it was actually like a very normal feeling. Um, so sorry. I was just like reading text. Like that's so funny. Me like reading a text thinking I can get away with that. Like you guys aren't going to notice like I'm alone here. Like there's no one here to pick up the slack. And again, I do miss Charlie and I want to give him a major shout out as being like high key. So funny and smart. Okay. Okay. Um, this is my second idea. Everyone's an art basil to you. This is the thing of like, like when you see someone quote or you see someone say something that reveals that their social world is like totally different. And they're like, it, it happens a lot online because you'll be like every people you say everyone people are like everyone is talking about this thing. And I'm like, I literally didn't know about that thing and literally haven't seen it. And actually, it's kind of a revealing thing for you to say that everybody is talking about it because I didn't know about that. Like, and you've chosen a social world where, like, that's a big thing. And if you're complaining about it, you're like, ugh. It's like people complain, like, wow, everybody on their timeline, like, everybody I follow is, like, saying this really, like, mean, dumb thing. Or saying this, like, stupid thing. I'm like, that's not true for me. And I don't follow people who say stuff like that. And so I think you need to reflect. It's like people, and it's clear, like, you just get like someone's social world so quickly i've been seeing people say this about art basil people are like oh because everyone's in art basil right now i'm like babe i don't know one person in art basil that is not part of my world at all and that's not like a i don't think it's a character flaw to be an art basil but it is funny when people really are like complaining about it and clearly themselves are frustrated that they're in like a social world like that and it's like this is not inevitable actually like there are many ways of being that don't involve and there are many worlds where where people aren't going to art basil anytime people say like every it happens so much on tiktok this is so like people are always tiktok is really good at like suggesting like a fake universal Right? Like, you go on TikTok and you're like, everyone's talking about this thing. Right? It really makes you feel like, oh, this is the trending thing that happens. But actually, it's really narrow and specific. And, like, you're within a really, like... Like, the bubble is pretty invisible on TikTok. Period. Um, and so people will be like, oh, because everybody on... T-, like, any trend piece that talks about TikTok where they're like, everybody was talking about this thing. It's like, there's not really, like, a monoculture on TikTok. In the way that there is on, like, Twitter sometimes. Like, on Twitter, it is, like, everybody's talking about this thing. But even then, I'm sometimes, like, I don't know. Like, recently, there was some discourse on Twitter about that, like, a bunch of people I followed were talking about. They were, like, everybody was talking about, like, somebody who posted about, like, like, I'm going on dating apps and all these guys are, like, and every guy I want to match with is, like, into ethical non-monogamy. And, every, and like, there's that whole thing of, like, there's, like, the discourse about that. And then, like, the discourse about the discourse. And then there's, like, the discourse about the discourse about the di-. Like, people are talking about, like, oh, it's so annoying that everybody's talking about that. And then people will be, like, it's so annoying how it's so annoying that. It's so annoying that everybody's talking about how it's so annoying that people are talking about that. And it's funny, like, it reached me, like, kind of somewhere between the second and third layer. Like, I didn't see the original thing. I didn't really see the discourse. But I did see a lot of people being like, okay, this is so annoying. So I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm, like, two steps away from that. And anytime you want to complain about online, like, oh, everybody's talking about this. It's, like, it's always a mistake. Because then you just become another person talking about that. It's a trap. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, okay. Next. This is Charlie's last idea. Things are amazing. I'm grateful. Oh, you know, I wonder if that's like, he just meant that things are amazing. I'm grateful. Uh, can I take a guess at what this is? Which is like, I wonder if this is true. Like, cause I know that like Charlie's sick right now. So in my mind, I'm like, why would Charlie be saying like, things are amazing. I'm grateful because he like literally has the flu, but I wonder, I have two ideas. One of them is like that, like maybe when you're in a space of feeling like everything is so bad and like you're coming up against that all the time and you're like, oh, things are so hard. Things are so hard. Things are so hard. Like maybe at a certain point you feel like so saturated in the feeling of things being bad that like you actually get this little idea in the back of your mind that's like, wait in like a larger sense, maybe things are kind of amazing. And then you feel grateful about that. When you like really let yourself like sit in the badness of it, it makes more room for you to be like, oh, I guess things are kind of good. I don't know if that's true. Or maybe it's like, you can literally just like, just the idea of like literally just like strong arming through, um, just kind of like lying to yourself when you feel like things are bad and just being like, Things are literally so amazing. <laughs> you know, like when, when everything is like so bad and just being like, wait, stuff is like so good right now. And like totally just like popping off in the best way possible. Like, what if that's it? Like, what if it's like, <laughs> like kind of genius, like just like sitting down, like taking stock of everything and like randomly everything's like so bad and just like looking at all the horrible stuff in front of you and being like wow stuff is good like literally life is good right now it's the thing about like the life is good brand of t-shirt is I'm like god I love that brand and it's like I love what they have to say life is good it's like and then you know it's a picture of a kayak with like a dog in the front hole it's like wow it's not even saying like my life is good. It's saying like, this is what makes life good. It's really like a political cartoon. What's on the life is good shirts because it's like, like if you were um, looking back on that, trying to understand the time period <laughs> or what does this say about like society or forget that I said society. I know that like really loses people and I do include myself in people there. But like, it's like you see an image. It's like a stick figure of a man in front of a stick figure grill. And he has like one of those long like grill forks with a hot dog on it and a dog next to him. And the dog has like two like links of sausage, like hot dogs coming out of his mouth. And the text underneath it is like, life is good. And you see that and you're like, wow, like that is what would make life good. Those things are what would allow someone to feel that and believe it. And that's kind of a powerful message. If you notice, um, like the little stick figure man isn't experiencing fame and fortune. He's experiencing small pleasures of nature with his dog. So life is good. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. Eating better is easier with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just, honestly, two minutes. You'll have over 25 different options to choose from every week, including Protein Plus, Keto, and honestly more. It's 35 different options. What did I say? 25. Oh, my God. So... Bump that up by about a million right. to get to 35. <laughs> right, exactly. 25, add about a million, you're getting 35. And you know what? I'm going to say a number you've basically never heard. There are more than 60 right. add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. And what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Mm. Two-minute meals, fuel up fast with Factors, restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I know that's right. 
pancakes, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math, aka Charlie. Factor I did the math. Excuse me. <laughs> Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So here's my advice to you, and I mean this. Head to factormeals.com slash exploration50 and use code exploration50 to get 50% off. That's code exploration50 at factormeals.com slash exploration50 to get 50% off. And you know what? Like, enough said. Thank you, Charlie. And on a related note, I just want to flag that I missed the, the leaves falling this season, which was extremely powerful for me last year. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I kind of just like I, I saw it starting to happen and I, I was really enjoying that. But I think I like was out of town the wrong weekend and I just kind of missed it. And I want to say that it's OK. And I hope I see them next year. And what I'm really excited for is when the green leaves come back in the spring. And I can't wait. Okay, that's Charlie's list. Woohoo! Okay, this is my last idea. This is things are amazing. I'm grateful. Okay, this is the thing of when um, amazing stuff happens in someone's life, which is awesome. Genuinely respect, and that's really cool. And then they like talk about it, and they're like, "I'm just so grateful." And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like. That's not like brave. It's not like brave to be grateful about this. Like sometimes people talk about gratitude as a thing of like, people are used to talking about gratitude as a thing of like, actually, like it probably doesn't occur to most of us to be grateful. So I'm going to be grateful and that'll like kind of, you know, like, and it's like a thing you come upon and it's like a new idea. Like there's a novelty to gratitude that people often like invoke when they talk. They're like, you know what? Like, and I'm actually grateful. And usually that's appropriate because we often, you know come to gratitude at times where we like like aren't where we wouldn't expect to right like where where bad things have happened and therefore we're going to be grateful because like in spite of our circumstances but i feel like sometimes people borrow that tone of talking about gratitude when good things are happening and then it becomes like yeah of course you're going to be grateful your life is amazing (laughs) someone like getting an amazing job and having an incredible thing happening and instead of like there's still a way to be grateful and have it not be like personally grading (laughs) grading to me and by the way i'm just being a hater and that's totally fine and it's totally natural and normal and healthy but like something like amazing happens to people and they're like i have so people be like i have the most amazing partner i have a job that i love and we just moved into this beautiful home that we bought and you know, I'm just so, like, grateful. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'd be grateful to if, like, any one of those things happened. It's like, that's not, like, an original idea to be grateful for. It's like, yeah, be grateful for that. Like, of course. (laughs) Sometimes people do this thing where they have... I see people sometimes with really fancy jobs will be, like, like, kind of very successful writers. Will be like, and I can't believe... I'm just so grateful I get to do this job. This my silly little job of being a silly little writer on these little TV shows. And it's like, yeah, bro, you're the 1%. Like, you're literally, like, you make more money than literally everyone in the world. Like, yeah, I would, like, it makes sense that you're grateful. It just feels like, it can feel a little bit like, it's like of the, this faux humility. And I don't, you know, and I'm happy for them too. Like, I understand there's a real limit to hating. Like, it can kind of corrode your heart a little bit if you do it too much and so whatever i'm trying to have this attitude where it's like it's funny no problem all love to them and there's nothing wrong with them being like annoying my cat is playing with um one of his toys so um i wonder if you can hear that and if you can't hear that just cut this out okay i'm gonna do natalie's first idea when the bully is gay spoilers like what the bully is is gay spoilers so gay spoilers is the bully that doesn't totally parse for me like i'm like i so i actually don't think it's that i think it's when the bully is gay and then an implicit comma spoilers 
Um, and I think it's like Natalie's talking about the trope of the thing of like the bully or the person who's like, like the bully is secretly gay, like the bully who's like, like um, bullying the gay main character is actually secretly gay. Um, and maybe it's the, the idea of this is that it's like that's such a trope that when it happens, it almost feels like a spoiler. You're like, yeah, and you know, it's it's. I'm trying to think of like examples of that. I mean, the only one I can really think of is. Karofsky and Glee, who's gay. I mean, it's so funny when that happens, like, that trope, because it's like, you know what? It's like, it doesn't really always work like that, but when it does, it is funny. Like, when someone who's, like, homophobic publicly is gay, like, that is funny, because it's like, but that's the whole thing, like, you're talking... It's also, like, it's like, like, with lying, like, the thing of, like, you sometimes have to be so, like, out there, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're trying to hide that you're gay, it's like, it's like you have to, like, the best defense is a good offense is kind of like the spirit of, like, that trope, which I don't think is always true. Like, I think it often, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's like who smelt it, dealt it, but it, like, does draw a lot of attention on you. I'm really not good at lying, so that is really scary. And my instinct with lying is to be really quiet. Natalie and I once played this game, can't remember what it's called, but it's like a game where it's like some people are you're in a group and you're trying to figure out who, like, the spies are or whatever, that kind of thing. And, like, we played three times and the first two times I was the spy and it was, like, I'm so bad at it. And Because I'm just quiet and then when people are, like, Charlie, you're being really quiet, I just, like, kind of smile and people are, like, well, he's the spy and then I can't even be, like, and I'm kind of, like, no, <laughs> but everybody knows. Which I guess is why I never, it's, like, I, I came out pretty early because I couldn't really hide that. I'm trying to obfuscate the fact that I don't really know what this idea is about by like talking about something unrelated and like talking about um, lying about being gay. It's like when the bully is gay, it's like, or there's also a thing of like, there's now media that has like just like gay bullies because gay men can really be bullies. And especially like, it's like, I feel like when I was growing up, it's like being gay, you were automatically like, assumed to be um like not socially powerful um sorry my cat was scratching the rug growing up it was assumed that like to be gay you were not socially powerful and now you can be like i mean it literally was like in my high school it was like a two-year difference like in my year my graduating class like i was one of two out gay people and then, like, two years later, it was, like, every single person was gay, and they were all, like, the coolest kids in the school. And I was cool, but not, like, that cool. Whatever. Um, but it's, like, now it's, like, you can be, like, there now there's an archetype of, like, the bitchy gay guy. Bully. Who's, like, ugh, you're, and that does, it does work with, like, like, the, the stereotype of being gay. Like, that does really track. That is often kind of how it's how gay people are. But not always. And gay people can be really sweet and nice, too. We come in all different kinds of ways. Bullying as an archetype, too, is like, what? Like, that was so big growing up. And now it's kind of like cyberbullying. I mean, that was really like, bullying was a huge concept. And I think it was one that was like, had very, not little real world antecedent, but like, it felt kind of, it felt pretty disconnected from the real world and the way things actually happened. Like not saying that there wasn't like bad behavior and there wasn't like antisocial mean behavior, but like it didn't feel like it was such a useful rhetorical concept growing up. Like it didn't feel like people were like, "Oh, that person is a bully." Like that felt even borrowed maybe from an earlier time, like the 80s. Cuz I don't know, like bullying was like or the way it looked like didn't actually look how it it was portrayed. Maybe it did, actually. People were just, like, kind of mean. And it was, like, the thing of mean girls of being, like, fake nice, right? Like, that that did feel, like, kind of true. Okay. Um, that's Natalie's idea when the bully is gay. Spoilers. I bet you I'm getting this one wrong. I bet you she has something really specific. Oh, and I bet you it's so funny. I love Natalie, you guys. Um, all right. Now I'm going to do my list. I feel like it'll be shorter because, like, I just have, like, less stuff to say about it. Um... But I do miss Charlie and I want to flag that again. 
Okay. So my list, the first one is when the bully is gay. Spoilers. Okay. So maybe like listeners of the podcast, which is like such an interesting idea that like there are listeners, but you know what? Maybe there are. Um, but listeners might remember that like I hate spoilers like so intensely and I like kind of like am ruled by like a fear of spoilers because I just like I love love being surprised by something and if I'm not gonna watch something I love to be told a full story of something you know like of a tv show like I'll, I'll love a friend to just like go through the full story of a show especially if I'm if we're like having to kill time but that's only if I'm not gonna watch it and if I am gonna watch it or I am already watching it for example like the other night with my sister I watched the first hour 10 of risky business it was like it's literally it's one of my favorite movies now like it was like the best movie I've ever seen and I I haven't finished it but um I probably will but honestly like I think I've seen enough like I just loved it um and so like yeah no I wouldn't want spoilers about that movie but I kind of realized like in the same way that like you know when the kid like bullying the gay kid is gay like everyone's like addicted to that idea which is like yeah like sometimes but like sometimes they're just like a bully but it's like let's just say when the bully's gay or that like you know cliche or whatever it's like that's kind of how I am with spoilers I think because it's like the truth is I actually want to spoil stuff all the time like I love talking about things I've seen and I hate not talking about stuff and I hate um being unable to chat about the stuff I want to chat with. And when someone's like, wait, don't spoil that for me. I'm like, I have to use, I shut it down so hard because like the truth is I want it so badly. Like I want to spoil it. And I specifically like love telling people stuff and seeing their face when they're surprised. Like, like, which is what comes with the act of spoiling. So I think I'm like realizing like the reason I hate spoilers so much is because I have, this very strong pull inside me to spoil. And I was doing a show the other night and I got on stage and I was kind of like, I I wanted to talk about White Lotus and because I wanted to say, and this is going to be, I'm going to flag this for spoilers. So why don't you just skip ahead a little bit if you haven't seen episode, I don't remember which one, but the second to last one, the penultimate episode. I think that's that word. Um, but you know, I have this like thing, the sexual idea I really like where like, <laughs> well, I've tried to do stand up about this, but like that I like to pretend I'm kind of this like nasty, disgusting guy, kind of loser. And that this like hot girl has sex with me. And, but you know, it's like a little tricky because it's like, you know, you just kind of have to navigate the gender stuff there. But this most recent episode of white Lotus and the last one too, like having that like manager kind of just be this like super, super, super pathetic like character. And then she's going to have sex with this girl. Like it's just been really awesome for me. And I'm just like, wow, like you can't be what you can't see. You know what I mean? And so now I kind of have this like new sexual touchstone of like, wow, the loser really can be a girl. And and she could have sex with someone hot and be like so grateful. And so that's been really helpful to me. And by the way, like I know that that like exists probably like all over porn. I just like don't know how to navigate it. So I have to shout out Mike White um, for the ways in which he's kind of opening up my world. Okay. Uh, what were we talking about? The bully is gay. Spoilers. Oh, that I was on stage and I wanted to talk about like that lesbian. And I was like, has anyone here seen, is anyone not caught up on White Lotus? And like a bunch of people were like, woo. And I was like, like, it just made me so mad. Like, I'm like, I want to say what I want to say. And like, honestly, you guys are silencing me. And so, and then I had so much compassion for the people who spoil stuff for me, though. I still feel it's like, I really appreciate it when people exercise self-control and don't spoil stuff. Okay. So let's move on. Okay. I'm going to do Natalie's next idea. This is sweaters sexual. This is awesome. And I think I... Here's my guess, which is that sweaters are so sexual. And Natalie is, like, exactly right, if that's what she's saying. Um, 
And I wonder why. Well, first of all, like, from a gay, comma, boy perspective, like, sweaters make someone's torso bigger. I think that's part of it. But I actually shouldn't have led with that. And that doesn't feel like a big thing. I have this where, like, like, the most, like, romantically enraptured I've ever been with anyone has been, like, when I'm hugging them in a crew neck sweater. Like, that image to me is so evocative, and every time it actually happens, I, like, literally fall in love. Like, something about fall, something about the coziness, something about the context in which it happens. It's, like, maybe around, like, a campfire or something. You're on a little camping trip, maybe, with someone. Uh, Or it's, like, summer, and, like, it's gotten chilly, so they put on a crew neck sweater. Oh, my God. That's, like, legit heaven to hug someone in a crew neck sweater. Oh, my God. What else is sexual about a sweater? That when you take them off, it reveals your stomach sometimes. And there's some... It's, like, there's the Ariana Grande thing of, like, having the sleeves be really long, too. Right? Like... (laughs) Like, that's so... Like, it's just, like, the fact that it's, like, so much bigger than you, it kind of swallows you up. So when you see, like, a man in it, you're like, oh, my God, it's, like, it's, it's like, vulnerable and sweet. There's something that, it, it, like, it makes you kind of diminutive, but then, therefore, that accentuates the fact that you're big. I th- wow. I bet you there's other stuff I'm missing, but sweaters, sweaters sexual. That's so true. Okay, the sweaters sexual. This is my idea that, like, sometimes sweaters can be very sexual, And that I think my sense, and I don't know this for sure, but I'd love to hear from a historian about this, is that like historically sweaters used to be, have play a more sexual role in society. And like thinking about like my kind of grandparents generation, um, the way that like boobs would be in sweaters, I feel like was really remarked upon. And sweater puppies, I think, is the word for boobs. I'm going to look that up really quick. It's like, I don't want to get that wrong. Sweater puppies. Yeah, it's boobs. It's, um, oh, sorry. It's Potomac. It's flying. Real Housewives of Potomac. Awesome show. Um, yeah, like sweater puppies. And see, isn't that interesting? Like, I feel like now when you think about boobs, like, in a sexual way, you don't really imagine them like in sweaters. You know what I mean? And my grandma taught me this song when I was a kid that, that, that she and her friends used to sing that they would, that goes, we must, we must, we must increase our bust. The bigger, the better, the tighter, the sweater, the boys depend on us. Which by the way, how cute is that? And how cute is that of her to like pass that down to me? Like intergenerational, like traditions, like handed down, you know, like that, actually just like is such a moving idea and of course it's a beautiful song and yeah so it's like okay the bigger the better the tighter the sweater like a tight sweater with boobs around it and of course like as I'm talking about that I'm like literally like getting extremely like activated and aroused because like it is a sexual idea but I just feel like we kind of forget to go there nowadays sometimes um and Uh, Not to say that it doesn't come up. Like, it totally comes up. I just don't think it's very forward in culture. Um, So, and I I think there's something to it. Um, And and maybe people used to wear sweaters more. (laughs) It's a guess. But it's cool. It's a cool guess. Um, So, yeah. I think that's sweet. And I I don't know if Charlie's going to get that because it's so, like, random. But I, maybe he will get the thing of like sweaters are sexual, like that, like if you really key into it and you see someone's like body in a sweater, it's a little like, whew, you know, because there's like the um, tactile element to it as well. All right, let's move on. What a, what a sexual episode on my end. It's interesting. Like, am I going there more now because Charlie's not here, though? I do like to discuss this stuff with him. So I doubt that. Hookie dookie. <laughs> This is Natalie's last idea. 
you don't love bad things. You know, here's my guess for this one. My guess for this one is like, is sort of spiritually connected to how we were talking about, or Natalie's idea from episode 42, Candy, um, of the bad thing is the bad thing, which we've been, I think we've been talking about a lot, um, which is that like people often try to like reframe bad things as good things in a way that is, can be like socially isolating or, or like, you know, isolate people from each other, isolate you from yourself and your true feelings. Um, and I think you don't love bad things is when people maybe try to like, um, try to re, you know, like reframe a bad experience as a good experience. Maybe that's too similar to the other one, which makes me think this is not actually what she's going for. But, um, you don't love bad things is like when someone's like, I actually love running in the rain. And it's like, no, you don't. But maybe someone does. So I'm actually not feeling so confident in this. I need another second to think about this. Hold on. Okay. Actually, I think I have, an, uh, I have another guess for what it is. And I think maybe this is more right. Which is that like when people talk about like loving something and they're like, I know it's bad, but like I love it. It's like, okay, but if you love it, then it's not bad. Or if you love it, you actually don't think it's bad. Like when people are like, talk about like guilty pleasure or TV, like as an idea or like anything like, oh my God, I know it's so bad, but I actually like love it. Then it's like, no, then it's good. Or you think it's good. That's maybe a little bit closer. But again, it could be anything. I think we really both, I think I'm, I'm really going to be surprised here. I wonder. And then there, there's a real dramatic irony in this because textbook definition of dramatic irony almost because I don't know how we're going to do this if we put this before or after but it really is like you the listener will know more and so it'll be like that you hear the actual idea or you or you'll find out actually before we do I don't think I list I didn't listen to the last episode in full Natalie edited it so I, I, I you know I kind of walk actually like I don't know if I'll fully find out what these are maybe in my life I probably will. Or I, if, you know, it's not like a big existential problem because if I want to find out, I will. The last one is you don't love bad things. Oh, that like, this is just the idea of like hate watching something. Like, it's like the truth is like the only bad stuff is like stuff that's actually not enjoyable to watch. Like, forget about like, if something is like smart or like believable or like whatever, it's like the only thing that really matters when you're consuming something is like your experience of sitting there and consuming it. And like, if you're enjoying yourself or feeling like delighted or like excited or interested watching something that's like technically bad to you in some ways, like it's like, then it's not bad because you're liking watching it because and I always think about that when I'm like, wait, because there's, there is stuff that is bad. That's just not fun to watch because it's bad. Like stuff that's just like boring, uninteresting, not compelling. And I just watched a couple of weeks ago, the, um, Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie. And it's like, um, sure. It's like, it's like bad in these ways where it's like the premise is pretty crazy. Like the acting is not so strong, like whatever, but like, I was so interested the whole time and like so like the acting was like definitely good enough to like keep me engaged and like the plot it's like okay maybe it wasn't like whoa how did I what an interesting theme but it was like there's a lot of plots to things where I'm like I don't care I don't want to keep watching this and this one I was like this is satisfying to me like I do care and so I'm like yeah so it's just like kind of like stuff that's like bad but it's like it's actually not bad if you are still watching it because you don't actually watch stuff that's bad <laughs> okay it's like kind of similar to my thing of like you can't wear clothes ironically because you're wearing them like you can wear them because you think they're funny like doesn't have to be like something that you think is so like beautiful like you can get a kick out of it but like if it's on your body you like it enough to put it on your body you can't actually wear something like you can't present yourself as hating something that you're wearing unless it's like a uniform and then that that's like a really sad um that sucks to have to you know 
like literally remembering like being in the page program wearing like this little like fucking like flower on my nasty blazer that they never washed there's no problem okay guys well that's kind of like the whole thing and again i want to give a major shout out to charlie and as you guys know i'm gonna have to go microwave my soup again and heat it up um but seriously like love you guys so much and again i hope charlie feels really better really soon and um that's kind of it xoxo okay well that is my portion of um our second uh installment of uh exploration live stronger apart i think next week we're gonna come back with a really exciting new together episode uh which i'm so excited for i just love i mean these are fun too and i think it's like a fun you know esther perel talks about in a relationship you need distance right you need to actually like miss someone and you need to also like have them like not just miss someone but also like have them take up space and you're like psychic kind of imaginary you you guys kind of know what i'm saying that's this feels like that a little bit like it's not just that i'm like like it's not like oh we're not together but it's actually like i'm getting little pieces and i'm getting to like fill them in like fantasizing a little bit but i don't want to make this (laughs) inappropriate um but it does feel like that's And, you know, my advice is um, if you're in a relationship, that's something that you should um, invoke. And that's my final word on it. Uh, Listen to Esther Perel. And thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you liked it, you can rate and review it. We love hearing ratings and reviewings. And you should come to our live show, which is December 21st at Union Hall, which will be on the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. And we'll, um, there's definitely something kind of spiritually interesting about that. Okay, love you guys. Bye. That was a headgum podcast.